You know what? When it comes to radio revenue, and especially uh, a single radio station, not one single market manager in the country even comes close to our guest tonight. Not even close. He stands in one of the most extremely interesting places in all of radio worldwide. What has he learned? What does he no, we're going to find out tonight. Welcome to the Radio Rally on the Clubhouse app. What you're about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, hearing the stories of an amazing radio pro, and uncovering the path forward in radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We help local broadcasters make more money by being an affordable, reliable programming partner who can fully develop the right position for your local brand or brands, coach your morning show and other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs providing excellent voice trackers, sales and promotions ideas that move the revenue needle and a lot more. We're confidential and market exclusive. If you have a challenge, something that you would like to get off your chest and get a little help on, uh, this is a great time to call us and get involved with us. Of course, you can email us, FORD at RainmakerPathway.com. Today's live event will be a podcast episode for the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and will become available soon after the end of this live event, wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. Meet our guest on the Clubhouse app or subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. We have two podcasts, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast, which of course happens uh, in our live event on Wednesday nights, where we talk to innovators. That's really what that's about. And of course, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast, and that happens on our Monday night live event that becomes a podcast episode. Both of our podcasts are available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere you can get your podcast. So what's going to happen on this live event? Well, it's February 28, 2022. Joel Oxley is with us, and Joel is the market manager in Washington, D.C. for WTOP. And uh, before we get started with Joel in a moment, I want to share something very special for anyone involved in generating revenue through the radio business. April the 14th, we're launching our very next radio sales exclusive event. This exclusive event is our Q2 event. It will be free on your smartphone for market managers, sales managers, and local radio sellers. We are calling it Getting Higher Sales Now in a Crowded Market. And it, of course, comes at a most appropriate time where uh, you really want to be hitting on all cylinders. This event will feature sales consultant Alec Drake from Drake Media Group and both David Deutsch, who is the president of Midwest Family, and Brian Maloney, who's a vice president of Capital Broadcasting. These are two real on-the-ground experts developing revenue in their markets, and they are going to share with you how you can directly boost your Q2 and remaining 2022 revenue. April 14th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Clubhouse app.
We have guests every week on the Radio Rally, and of course, you can see our full guest calendar all the way until mid-April just by going to our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. There, we also have encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series, and even more encouragement for local sellers with our encouraging sales success guest series, as well as free resources for anyone who's in the radio business today. We don't lock away anything on our site the way other consultants sometimes do. So go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime, 24-7. See what you can get for free from our team. Please do follow the people on the stage at this event. We encourage you to do that and to look around the room for other people you might be able to connect with as well here tonight. We are here to encourage you in your broadcast career, and a part of that is promoting the idea of networking with others in our industry regularly. Today's guest is the Senior VP of WTOP, WFED, Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia, Joel Oxley. Now, before we talk to Joel, I thought you'd like to hear a little bit about him. Joel joined WTOP in 1992, and he worked his way up through the ranks in sales and sales management to general manager in 1998. In 2000, he became responsible for the newly started federalnewsradio.com. Oxley took on the additional role of general manager for WGMS, and in 2003 was named GM of Z104 Radio. In 2004, Oxley was named Senior Vice President and Market Manager of the DC Division. Mr. Oxley graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in Marketing Management from Virginia Tech. Now, Mr. Oxley has served for many years on the board of the Metropolitan Police uh, Police Boys and Girls Clubs and has led his radio stations to multiple awards, including, get this, the Edward R. Murrow Awards, the National Association of Broadcasters Marconi and Crystal Awards for Excellent in Community Service. Let me just add that uh, year after year after year, the top revenue prize in radio has belonged to Mr. Oxley and his team. And you know this must involve a lot of commitment, consistency, innovation, and balance, because it's one thing to get to the top. It takes a whole new level of skill sets to stay there year after year after year. By the way, um, we want you to enjoy this tonight and uh, have your opportunity to uh, meet and greet with him, if you will. We'll try to do that, too. Joel, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Lloyd. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, we're so delighted to have you. Uh, I, I look forward to this for a long time now and just the very possibility that this could happen so that we could kind of pick your brain about the exciting world that you live in. And I don't care what you say, you're not going to be able to convince me that's not true because I know that Washington is a whole new game. So let's talk about where you're originally from. And I want to know what your parents did for work. Sure. I was born in Washington, D.C. and raised out in Northern Virginia, uh, just about five miles outside of D.C. in eastern Fairfax County. And uh, after that, went off to Virginia Tech. Um, my parents, uh, my dad was uh, had his own company, a uh, manufacturer's rep firm company that uh, sold to the military exchanges. And my mom was a 
uh, with American Airlines as a stewardess for a few years, and then uh, used her English degree to be an editor at a at a trade publication here in Washington D.C. And then and then decided to have kids, and so ended up uh, staying home with us for for quite some time. Now, these folks must have been terribly influential. I am sensing that your dad might have had a huge influence on you. Wonder what he thought of you in the broadcast business? Because that's well, not the same as what he did, right? No, not at all. But uh, my dad was big into the news. I remember as a, as a young kid, uh, my dad would always be listening to WTOP. Uh, WTOP started back in 1969 as all news. And I remember thinking, my God, why is my dad listening to this all the time? And how in the world can he do other things and listen to this also at the same time? Yet yet he was a big, big fan of radio, but also a big fan of uh, the news and WTOP. So that was my first exposure. And then after a while, I was thinking, hey, you know, this, this I can go catch the sports scores at 15 or 45. So when I started driving around when I was about 17, 16, I, I started realizing that uh, there maybe there was a little something for T.O.P. for me, too. And uh, my dad, though, uh, was a big influence on me, and he, uh, though, uh, was a big news consumer. So, like I said, that was a, that, that's kind of where some of this got started. And this probably shouldn't be the same for me, but you know we had a little conversation earlier today, and I was telling you that my wife is from the Washington, D.C. area, and it is really WTOP was the only radio station they listened to until she was in her teens. I mean, they, they just had it on. This kind of presence that that radio station has is branding that's built on trust that just cannot be replicated. I, I would love to know about your college experience a little bit. You have a Bachelor of Science degree in Marketing Management from Virginia Tech. Did you know what you wanted to do with that degree when you went to get that degree? And has it been helpful to you in your career? <laughs> Well, absolutely not. I did not know what I wanted to do, and uh, but it, it has been incredibly helpful. And in a way, what else I did in college was a big influence on me. I had always been interested in sports, like I said earlier, and wanted to be a thought it'd be fun to be a sports writer. So I started working for the school newspaper, um, writing some short sports articles on, uh, and and then I decided, well, I need some money, and they had an opening in the sales staff to to sell, and the the, the newspaper went to. 30,000 people, and uh, I was able to get a job selling as well as writing. And then they took notice of me over at the radio station and uh, said, can you help us out with the sales? I said, sure, as long as you give me a radio show. So that that ended up being a big, big part of my college experience was being in media. And of course, you know, being a marketing management uh, major, that, that made a, a, a good fit there. But I will tell you that Virginia Tech did a good job of making you think. They didn't coddle you. They made you kind of work through things in, in real-world situations. And uh, I learned how to think there. And so I, I, I definitely got a good education at Virginia Tech. It's interesting. And had a got, good bit of fun. Yeah, it's, I bet. You had to slide that in there, right? Yeah, I had to so, slide that in there, of course. So, listen, I, it's really interesting that you had those experiences going on at the same time. And I kind of I, I tried to make it as silent as possible, but I chuckled a little bit when you said, you know, you're like, if you can let me be on the radio, I'll do some sales for you. Right. Um, early in your career, were you personally a great seller? Were you good at it? Did you connect with it right away? No, I didn't. I, I felt like I, I, I was able to go out and talk to people, but uh, I didn't really learn how to sell very well at the beginning. Uh, actually, only until I really got some good training uh, in the Sandler system, actually, which most anybody mm -hmm. in sales would be familiar with, yep. did, did I really feel like I had a basis for 
for what I needed to do to sell. So it didn't, I didn't feel like it came naturally to me. I was more of a grinder. I, I realized pretty early on though, that if I, if I really did a lot of volume of, of calls and got enough appointments that I could do enough proposals to then, to then close some business. And so uh, over time, I was just able to, you know, through quantity, um, um, get enough. But then as I got through it, uh, after a while, I, I was able to do better because I really had a plan. And it's interesting. credit Sandler with that. Yeah, it's interesting to me that the first thing you learned was maybe the most important. The more people you see, the more people you sell, right? Absolutely. You, you have to have the volume. Um, but, you know, as you get better at it, you know who to call so that your 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 ratio is better in terms of calls for mm. appointments and then also closing those appointments and, and, and getting somebody uh, to, to actually work with you. But I also learned, uh, pretty early on that it had to be a fit for both sides. And, and, and that was really important to something that I've held through mm -hmm. today. And the people I work with, you've got to come up with solutions. You've got to find folks needs, people's needs and companies needs to be able to, to, to give them something that's going to work. And, and if it's not going to work, then walk away. It's not worth either one of your time and it's not the ethical thing to do. So I really learned to, you know, to be ethical in sales and really try to try to get a good match between that company and, and, and what you had to offer and try to come up and figure out a way to, to, to meet their needs and make and, them some revenue. And I always want to stick my nose in this when I hear something similar to this. I always say in our consulting practice, I'm like, look, once you have a radio station, get anything else you want. And people go, what does that mean? And what it means is that this business is essentially based on creativity. So we bring creative solutions to people who have real problems. Okay. And so I, I think that's, I think that's an incredible business model. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because if you're solving be, right? somebody's needs, life is good. That's right. Uh, now, look, you, you, there's been a lot of water under the bridge since you were that first time seller. Did you like direct selling through your career or managing sales better? And how do both of those jobs compare to the one that you have today? Well, I, I, I learned pretty early on that I enjoyed managing people. I enjoyed working with people and, and, and helping them be successful in in a more of an ongoing way. And, and so that, that to me was really gratifying. And I, I realized in my, you know, really by my early thirties that, that, that I really wanted to be in management. And I even to the point where I, uh, somebody said, well, you ought to write it down what your goals are and put them in, put it in your wallet. And I did that. And I, I was able to make those goals, you know, including, you know, becoming a GM. And so I, I realized after a while that management was something that I really had a lot of interest in. And I, uh, I liked the, the different aspects to, to management, um, you know, sales, uh, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I did it. I, I felt like I got reasonably good at it, but I, I was definitely more interested in the management of it. It's interesting. You know, uh, I don't, obviously I don't know you very well. We're getting to know each other a little bit, uh, but I can definitely tell you, I sense that you like people a lot. Oh yeah, that that's been the fun of it. it. It definitely has been, and that's what's in, in some ways made the last couple of years so hard is is not being able to to have that interaction. But yeah, I, I, I've definitely enjoyed the people, and, and and I've enjoyed the industry, and I 
you know, the, meaning the industry, meaning the news industry, uh, but also, of course, being in broadcasting. And so, yes, it's it's been a it's been it's been fun and it's been interesting. Well, speaking of people who like to value people, you know, Harvard Radio is known for being an amazing company inside the broadcast industry by itself. But, you know, I, I personally know from interaction with senior leadership that uh, the people managing these radio stations across the country, they're exceptional inside Hubbard. And I'd like to know, what is it like um, for you to be on the inside of that company with its great reputation and to surely, you know, be we would like to know what's one of the keys to that company's consistent success today. Is it because they value people? Is it something else? What is it? Well, I think it's a combination of things like so many things. Uh, you know, I've been very fortunate in my career. You know, Bonneville was a great company and, and uh, the, the leadership at Bonneville decided to, to sell. And, you know, I hit the jackpot by uh, ending up at Hubbard. And one thing I've seen with, with, with the Hubbards is that they have a real commitment to a few things. Well, one of it is, is, is investment and they invest in their people and they invest long term. And they're also they they have just a through line of innovation all the way back to uh, Jenny Morris is, is my boss. And uh, I've known Jenny for a long time since the 90s. And and her grandfather started the company and was extremely innovative. And her dad, uh, it, it, same thing, ended up being, you know, essentially starting uh, satellite TV as an industry, which became direct TV. And, uh, and and the, the same thing is a, is a through line today. We have been we early in the game in in the digital side of things, and our our in house agency twenty sixty digital has been extremely successful. So I think that innovation, along with that long term thinking and putting people first, just just makes uh, the Hubbards different. It's very incredible, but I, I'm going to give some credit to you, too, because I know that you've been working on some very serious innovations yourself. We talked about it a little bit earlier today, and we will get to that. But I want to say okay. that I, I want to I want to kind of put this down right up front and say, look, Washington, D.C. is not your average market. In fact, there's nothing average about it. Uh, I always say that capital cities inside individual states are like multiplier environments. But Washington, D.C. is like the Super Bowl. When I look at the assets, uh, WTOP and the assets around that property, I think of those as being especially, especially amazing assets. Like the Washington Post is not like other newspapers in the country, or maybe even the world, probably not even the world. The same is true for WTOP. Is that not true? Yeah, it absolutely is. You know, being in D.C., it, it truly is the news capital of the world at, at, at this point. And and we, we have our news is different. I mean, a lot of people don't realize exactly what our format is either. It's not news talk. It's all news. I wanted you know, to so ask we, you that because we had a yeah. really interesting conversation about that today. And I was asking you about the Washington Post and you and you said, oh, let me tell you the difference. And I was like, I was surprised. I was like, oh, my God. Well, the Post is truly, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos bought the Post a few years back, and I think that he actually made a very good move. In, in essentially, his his goal is to make the the, the Post the the new source of record for the world, and right. he has done a great job on the technology side, 
and uh, you know make, made their website world class. And he's also really you know, pushed them to be much more of a national, international player. They still do some local news and do a nice job of it and sports and everything. But their focus certainly is for the long term to be uh, the, the the really big international national news brand and and they they have achieved that and so for us though really you know while we have a lot of national international news and sometimes especially the national news tends to be local we're really truly a, a local news operation and you know both on our online and and on air and you know we are in the news base business and we're a digital news organization but we do you know we're doing a lot of local updates um, we're doing traffic, we're doing weather, we're doing sports, yeah, not just, we're doing not just local in the news. daytime, right? Right. And we are, <laughs> we are truly 24 seven, 365. It can be 3 AM on Sunday morning or 3 PM on Tuesday afternoon. It's the same clock. We have the same clock each and every hour of all week long. And so you're going to hear the, the news the same way through, throughout the day, no matter what time of day, even overnights and on weekends. Well, and to put this in perspective, you told me earlier today, it can be 3 a.m. on a Sunday and you might have 10 or 12 people in in the building yeah. working on news, right? Right. To keep our digital uh, cranked out and also make sure that we're doing a good job on air and setting up for the next day part for the morning. We, right. we have to we constantly have to have a lot of people in. It just it's just takes quite a bit of manpower to do. All right. So listen, it's interesting that everyone has their challenges, right? No matter how good it looks from the outside, here on the Encouragers, we like kind of busting the myth that successful people are successful because they got all the breaks. We know it's a lot harder than that. What is the biggest challenge that you face in your opinion? I think it's just continuing to diversify our revenue sources. It's it's becoming increasingly difficult to to have revenue, um, and especially at the kind of um, numbers that we need and and the, and the kind of rates that we need. Did and you just, really, did you just say to me it is increasingly difficult to have revenue? Absolutely, it is. It is. It is so much harder than it used to be. Uh, when, when I first started, this was almost an entirely agency-driven business. Right. Um, over well over ninety percent of what we did was agency, and now um, much less than fifty percent is agency. So we, we have to go out and get it, and and that means we got to get it in a lot of different ways. Like I said, we have twenty sixty digital. We have our federal business with Federal News Network. We have a lot of direct. We we just you know we don't have the kind of avails uh, coming down from the agencies that we used to, whether it's national or local, that, that, that we're able to just you know be in an RFP business essentially and bid for business. There's just not enough of it out there. If we did that, we would, we would be lucky to have half the revenue we have right now. I love how you, you, I don't even think that you consciously do this. I think it's just part of your DNA at this point. You talk about how to diversify revenue, how to diversify products, how to diversify your relationship with people. I think that's incredible and a great lesson for anybody in the radio business right now. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that people have to look at, though, too, is are they really in the radio business? Because, you know, back to the old railroad argument, radio is distribution. 
And while, you know, we all should be proud of our distribution in radio, you know, you, you have to understand to me, we're in the, in the news business. Um, others are in the entertainment business. Maybe some are in the music business, but, but one way or another, you have to look at it and say, well, well, you know, radio is distribution, but, but now you also have to find other ways to distribute your, your product and, and also to, to get in front of your potential customers. Listen, I feel like I know this answer from you, but I'm so entertained by it. I'm going to ask it anyway. Can you tell us if you've, you personally have always been singing from the choir when it comes to digital media? And, and look, how do you feel radio is doing embracing the right things in digital or in the digital end of the pool, so to speak? Well, I, you know, for a long, long time, I, I felt like digital was had to be a big part of what we did, it, you know, certainly from a revenue perspective, but also from a brand perspective, because as a news organization, but also as as any kind of brand, you better have a good website. And that's been the case for an awfully long time. And you better be able to figure out, though, how to make that work on, on the website of things, because. You know, in some cases, it's it's more of a marketing and branding play. Other cases, it can be a monetary play. But also selling digital has become, uh, in addition to, to your radio assets, has become vitally important. You don't want to walk into a customer these days and only be selling radio. That's very difficult. Uh, the, the, you, you might as well be selling digital as well. And I think a lot of radio companies, I mean, Town Square comes to mind, for example, have done a great job integrating radio and and uh, digital. And that's what all of us should be doing, is ha arming our sales forces with the the ability to give lots of solutions to to clients because they, they have to be, come in and be marketing solution oriented professionals well and look it goes back to what i said earlier about bringing creativity to what we do and bringing uh, 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 ways to solve problems for people. That's the business that we're in. No question. Listen, so listen, you, I know you're going to poo-poo this because you're in that job you're in now, but I'm, but I'm going to do it anyway. You rose <laughs> up through sales and sales management. Clearly, you have crushed it. Sorry, if no one has alerted you that this has happened, I'm letting you know right now. You've crushed it. So well, thank you. <laughs> I know it's really bona fide coming for me, right? So, uh, what, in your opinion, is the best way to manage sellers and all of the employees that you're responsible for? Not just sellers. What's the key to your success? Well, we, we have 190 people, and I really you got to empower people, and you got to hire good people who that you can trust, and the people who are you know going to be adults until they prove otherwise, and who are always going to be trying to get better. And nobody exemplifies that better than uh, the director of sales we have, Matt Mills. Uh, Matt uh, is somebody I've known since the 90s, and uh, he came on board with us uh, back in 2001. And when I look at the success of WTOP sales operation, it, you know, so much of the credit has to go to him and, and the sales managers that, have, that, that still work with him after many years and a number of the salespeople that have because they've truly figured out the right way to do things. And, and that is, you know, like I said, they're, they're always looking to figure out how to get a solution for the client. It's so client-based and I just really appreciate, you know, Matt's effort and everybody who works with him. And, and to me, that that's a big key. You've got to find the right people, empower them and great things can happen. 
Um, it, you know, if I had micromanaged Matt or, or, or been all over him and, and, you know, said, oh, well, you got to do it this way or you got to do it that way, that would have never worked. He's, he's found his own way and he's been incredibly successful running his department. Certainly, I'm involved with him, you know, mm-hmm. in a big way and, and, and enjoy that. We have a, a great collaboration, but it's, you know, it's a real work with, not work for. And, a, and you know, I think that I, I, I've tried to apply that to all of my uh, people that work directly for me to be situational with each one of them to figure out what's going to make them the most successful. I, my philosophy has always been is that I really work for everybody who is there in, in D.C. with me, with Hubbard. I mean, I work for them and I, I, my, my philosophy is to try to figure out, well, what can I do to help them get better? And what can I do to make things as easy on the inside? Because God knows it's tough enough on the outside. The number one greatest way to identify a really great manager is that they say something like what just came out of your mouth. I work for everybody, you know, because really your job is to make their job easier because they're exactly things, right. Exactly. So, and if I succeed at that, we win. I have, <laughs> so I'll I have, keep trying to do that. By the way, I have very few talents and skills and gifts. I mean, it's just it's very narrow over here. OK, but one of the things is I listen to what people say, and I've already noticed a common thread about your language. You have known a lot of people and valued relationships over time. I've known this person since the 90s. I've known this person since the 90s. I've known this person since the 90s. So I got to ask this question. If you're um, younger in this business or you want to be in the Washington market, you want to get Joel's attention. How do you do that? He's got this great team already. (laughs) Well, just contact me because you know what? We've got tons of people who have been here a short amount of time. We have an incredible diversity of people, you know, from all aspects, whether it's um, race or gender or, uh, you know, in terms of experience, we've got people just out of college and we've got people who have been working here 50 years. So, you know, we, we, we need everybody and we need lots of different perspectives. And I really appreciate fresh perspectives. So, you know, be, be um, bold enough to shoot me an email or give me a call. I, I get back to people because uh, I've you know been fortunate enough to have, you know, some people who have been, uh, you know, aggressive and in, in contacting me. And, and a lot of times good things have happened. Very good. Listen, I got to ask this because I think anybody in the radio business is, look, look, especially if you're at the market manager level, there's so much stress. Uh, you you have to have stress in that job of yours. And <laughs> that's for the, sure. Yeah. And in the environment you are in. So how do you personally handle stress, Joel? Well, I, you know, I, I try to, I, I work out most every morning. So that helps a ton, get some exercise and try to, you know, eat reasonably well and, um, you know, do things with friends and off times and family and, and try to make sure to have some balance and focus on that. I mean, you know, the work-life balance can be a bit of a cliche these days, but it is something you really got to pay attention to. And, and I will tell you that there have been some times in my life when I don't think I had the best balance there. And, you know, that maybe led to some things that, uh, you know, I, I, I could have done better on the personal front, but, but I will tell you that, uh, you know, I think that that's really important to make sure to, that you, you keep that all in perspective. Well, and I'm, I'm not going to ask you where you work out, but I am going to say, what time of day are you doing that? Oh, it's all about the morning. Cause if, if I don't do it in the morning, when I get home, I, that couch and, and cracking a beer looks way too good. So, oh, it's, so um, nice, right? it's gotta be in the morning. So what time in the morning? Just, to, just uh, usually about six. 
Okay, very good. All right, yeah. look, they always say that once you become like the president of the United States, and since you're in Washington, we'll just throw that in here, right? We don't, <laughs> we don't want to be political, but we're going to bring up the president. Uh, often these leaders who end up with their closest advisors, they're saying they're, they're obviously in stressful situations all the time, uh, maybe more stressful than your job. I don't know. But let's just say that they you hear stories where they say, well, who do we call? We got this problem. You know, do you, Joel, do you have a mentor? If so, can you share a quick story about how they may have changed your life, either professionally or personally? Well, I mean, I've had a lot of good mentors in my life. Anybody, you know, from my dad to, to my brother. And, you know, I've also you know, had some, some great bosses over time and, and, and do now, but, but I think a lot of it, I, I, you know, find that my brother and I are very close and he's somebody who, that when, you know, the, the, the S is hitting the fan, so to speak, that yeah. uh, I can, uh, you know, somebody I can talk to and, and, uh, work, work things through on a, on a, uh, both intellectual and, uh, emotional level. So yeah, I'd say it's my brother. Oh, really? So, so, is he in the broadcast business working at a news station? He was at one point in the broadcast business uh, up through the late nineties. And then, uh, and then went off and started his own business. So it's, uh, uh, you know, he's somebody who has uh, a lot of good perspective and, uh, and I definitely rely on that. That's kind of interesting. I'm going to make a check mark there. Follow the dad. Right. He started his own business. So he did. Of, he know. did. I think that if, if my dad had not been so entrepreneurial that I don't, I don't think my brother would have maybe taken that step, but he yeah. did, and he's been very successful, so it's worked out well for him. Well, here's something I've learned about you early. You're very passionate, and and you're very passionate about WTOP. You're very passionate about some of the other things that I'll call the universe around WTOP. Um, what gets you up in the morning? In other words, uh, What's your passion at WTOP, WFED, and other things that you're involved with that you go, oh my God, I got to get to this? Well, I think it's just, I've always really liked the news business. I grew up liking the news. You know, I um, even helped my brother deliver newspapers and, and, and all that way back when. And my dad was a big, and mom, my mom and dad both were, were, were very interested in following the news. And I think that it's, it's just become a big part of what I do. And also, I just grew up loving radio and uh and loving newspapers and it, it just ended up being a real natural fit and what what i like about it now what keeps me at it like you said is the people for sure and also though that there's been a lot of change and a lot of challenges and it's been fascinating to watch how uh distribution has changed how marketing has changed how social media has become a real important part of our business how important just digital in general is in our business and and how the news cycle has picked up in its velocity so tremendously and it, you know the proliferation of news yet here we are still um you know putting something out that is incredibly valuable to people and i i think that's at the end of the day something that really keeps me going and that is that that we do something that matters it makes a difference whether it's you know some once in a while some incredibly life-saving information because of a something like a thunderstorm or flooding or just as simple as uh, we give somebody a traffic tip that gets them home a little bit sooner. You know, so we do something that matters. And I think that, you know, that keeps me going. I always say brand is another word for trust. And those things that you're talking about that, you know, I can't tell you how many people that I go, oh, weather's over on radio, you know, because we've got these smartphones and everything. I'm like, 
really? Are you, you okay? You're going to see the weather to smartphones? I mean, don't you want to be that thing that they depend on for certain things, you know? I, I do want to touch on something with you, though, and I don't know quite how to do it, so I'm just going to do it my clumsy way, okay? Um, here you sit, and, and you and I, like I said before, we had an earlier conversation today. I really kind of want to delve into the digital because you did something interesting about podcasts. You said, oh, we've been doing that before. It's called podcast and blah, blah, blah. You know, and I was like, what? Wait, what? And so you guys really do develop things around revenue and around need. I wonder if you'll talk to us a little bit about that. Well, sure. I mean, we, we you know, one thing is we have tried to innovate a lot over time. Uh, yes. Federal News Network, of course, was innovative. We also started something called Washington Post Radio, a collaboration that didn't work, but in some ways, you know, learned an awful lot from why, that. Why did you think that didn't work, by the way? Uh, I think that, you know, we didn't, we didn't examine how each um, operation really worked well enough. The Post uh, actually were, you know, a lot of people were there, really good partners in, in a lot of respects, but didn't totally have the backing of everybody on, on the editorial mm -hmm. side. But also, too, their just whole day was so different than ours. You know, an awful lot of their folks wouldn't really get cranking until 11 or 12, you know, in the morning. And, and, and then, you know, they'd be putting the paper to bed at 8 or 9. And, you know, we needed more for morning drive. And we didn't really have access to some of their people early. So, you know, that was part of it. Uh, another part was just... We should have done a lot more dry runs, Lloyd. We should have done a lot more testing. We could have really done that better. It was just, it, it was, it, it could be great at times, but it was very hard to execute day in, day out. Really, really tough. And I definitely, um, you know, doing longer form, you know, you know, we give our reporters uh, 40 seconds. So, you know, to do their things. And, and at most we'll do something that's about 90 seconds to two minutes long. And doing long form news is a different animal and, and difficult. And my hat's off to the people, you know, at NPR. They do a, a great job of, of putting together these long form news pieces because it's not easy. Oh, yeah. And so we, we just we just overestimated how difficult it would be to execute it on a really consistent basis. Well, look, it's really interesting, you know, when it comes to innovation, first about what you just talked about, I'm just going to say first reports from the front are often wrong. So we'll just lay that in there. We'll also say that uh, everything is, you can't research something before it happens. This is my personal belief, by the way. You just cannot do it. You have to do it. Yep. And then you see what it's really like, okay? Uh, at, at Rainmaker Pathway, we're always focused in the area of trying to encourage people. And that's why we started this group called the Encouragers. That's why we do the radio rally on Monday night. But listen to this, Joel. We started our Wednesday night thing, which is called Innovation and in Audio, where we don't generally talk to radio. What we do is we talk to other people. We talk to yeah, innovators in a lot of different lanes. And But here's why we did it. We did it because we want to also encourage radio to innovate. And yet here we are on a Monday night. You're in Washington. I'm in Tennessee. And we're talking about you and the fact that Hubbard, and this radio station and your management team, you're always looking to innovate. Yeah. So, so listen, the podcast thing, uh, 
You talked yep, to that's me. That's why we're your... trying a new podcast. We're going to be yeah. rolling it out not in April. Yeah. Tell me about that and tell me how you come to that idea because you did this thing with the Washington Post. And so you've seen it where you've done things where you're like, eh, eh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you know, that old, you know, if you're going to fail, fail fast. We failed relatively fast there. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we've had a lot of successes. We um, did an American Nightmare series on some big local crime uh, incidents around here and, and turned two of those into long form podcasts that have both been really successful and working on a third. Um, you know, but we felt like that there was an opportunity for us to do something daily. And we do, you know, our reporters do so much work. And like I said, you know, we, we limited them, them to a relatively short amount of time on air. But then a lot of these stories, uh, we feel like could, uh, we could do them justice by doing a much longer version of them. And so that's what we're going to do is we're going to have a couple stories a day that are important to the, our local community that we're going to delve into further. And we'll have a podcast that comes out every afternoon, Monday through Friday, going uh, deeper on some things that matter to people in the Washington, D.C. area. Well, and I'm going to guess, uh, I don't know this, but I'm going to guess that you got people on your creative team, if you want to call them that, reporters, what, whatever's driving the content, okay, that you look at them and you go, man, they're really overworked. And yet those people, I'm going to guess, will step forward and go, hey, can we do this? Or how about doing this? Or we have already seen it. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, they, they really have a lot of passion for what they do. And, and they, you know, they, they sometimes would love the opportunity to be able to do some things in a little bit longer form. And so we've got two people leading the charge on this, and they're going to be working, you know, themselves, but also working with reporters to to flesh out these stories in a more broad way. Do you have meetings just on innovation? Yes, absolutely. We, we have, uh, unfortunately, that's another way that, that the, the company looks at the world a little bit differently. They, mm -hmm. they hired someone from Australia, interestingly, who specializes in innovation, and he essentially is our innovation consultant, and he's been very helpful. But he talks funny, right? No, oh, he does. Yeah, I'm just guessing. But it's great. I love it. <laughs> funny, funny yeah. to us, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so listen. Uh, earlier today, when you and I had a, a brief conversation, you talked about something that you called panels, and and if it's okay for you to talk about that, I'd love. Oh, sure. To talk about it because that. look, look. Here's the deal. We try to encourage radio to shake up their head a little bit and get to thinking about what's special about your market, what's different about your market, and how can you develop other revenue lanes that are born out of serving a or, or solving a problem, if you will. Well, so, yeah, let, I can, I can speak panels. to that. Oh, yeah. sure. Uh, you know, Federal News Network is, is got, has an interesting history. We started about 20 years ago as an online radio station that, that we then, you know, built out its website. And we used the old APL News um, product and, and, and put segments in of federal. And we just kept growing the amount of federal segments we put in. But after a while, we realized that the, the, the real money here was uh, in the website, but also in, in events that would be sponsored by federal contractors. And when, when we talk about Federal News Network, this is, is not Congress or the White House. Mm -hmm. this, this is the business of government. So it's the, you know, there's billions of dollars, of, of course, trillions of dollars every year the government spends and, and lots of government contractors, you know, anybody, you know, the Lockheeds, you know, Microsoft has a big division, loads of companies do, IBM, who are, you know, trying to get these government contracts. And so they have advertising money and they, then they fortunately spend it with us. And one of the ways we creatively 
uh, are able to get some of this mo money is have them sponsor um, things like one, one program we, we've had a lot of success with over the years has been called Ask the CIO, Ask the Chief Information Officer. And these Chief Information Officers are from governmental agencies. And so these, you know, you can't just call one of these people and say, hey, we want to have a meeting. So this is an opportunity for the sponsor of these to to be to be able to meet this person, to be able to ask them questions, to be have them on a panel. And one of our journalists asked the CIOs, these these panels of CIOs, a lot of questions about what, you know, how they feel about, say, cybersecurity. And and so, you know, this is an opportunity where, uh, you know, our journalism plus uh, the, the, the desire for the federal contractor to get get uh, access to these people, but also to be able to reuse this um, product, uh, you know, is married with the CIOs who want to try to get their message out to the federal government community. So it all just works for all sides. And it's been something that, uh, you know, obviously this isn't something you do in most markets. In fact, I think it's the only market in the country would work is DC, but I think you got to try to find what works in your market and 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 do more of it. And that's what we've done. Well, look, I'm going to say this for a minute, just to say that uh, later when people come to our podcast and they listen to this episode, if they're market manager and let's say they run a news station or a news talk station in one of these capital cities, well, there's 50 of those. OK, so uh, those state governments, they spend money, too. And uh, hmm, it may not be the same kind of money. But it is definitely worth thinking about what you can do in those areas. And I, again, I, I love that you are thinking about how to do these different things. I wonder about, what would you call it, uh, non-traditional events? Does WTOP uh, do this kind of stuff? Because certainly you have the authority, the credibility to bring big events together with pretty powerful people. Yeah, we do. And, and so, you know, we've done some of these kind of things with, with WTOP as well, I, you know, over, um, you know, because we, we do a lot on the, the legislative legislative side of things. And that, that's right. been another area that we've been able to, to delve into too. You know, pharmaceutical companies have been something we've been able to get involved with. So there's a lot of different different avenues for us. But of, of course, being the center of the federal government, that's where we've been. We concentrate the most. Well, I'm just hearing you talk about uh, all of these different people that are involved in trying to get their hands on certain parts of government money, if you will. Joel, you, now you mentioned that you're You've got these pharmaceuticals. Do you have any idea oh, well, how much I admire you right now? Well, we keep trying. I mean, I, you know, I got to, you know, once again, I got to, we have a person that I got to give credit to on the sales side of things. Uh, you know, she's very innovative and, and you know, almost a, you know, she's almost in charge of new business and innovation. And she's come up with a lot of great programs. She's got the board of trade involved in a great program with us. So there's, you know, highlighting different companies and how, how well they do. Uh, for the community, but also, you know, it gives them an opportunity to talk about what they're trying to get done in the community. So there's there's lots of ways of doing this, and everybody has a local board of trade. So that's another opportunity. You know, I constantly tell clients all the time, like, I'm you like, know, you know, there's not just one way to do something. Absolutely. And our job together, my job is not to tell you what to do. My job is to roll my sleeves up and go, let's figure out together the best way to do X, Y, or Z. So to that end, 
I, I've got to, I, I finally want to talk to you about this. Let's talk about the future of radio for a minute. You sit in this really, really amazing chair, and I'm certain that you must think about that and think about the future. And, and I always let people get off the hook a little bit. While no one knows the future, I would like to say that, we share on the encouragers and we like to understand everyone's take on how they see what's coming in the 21st century. Uh, since we're almost a quarter of the way through the century right now, how do you see the future, Joel? The future for radio specifically? Well, I think that the future for radio is really dependent on, you know, back to an earlier comment of mine about how, how much you are able to diversify. If you're going to sit back and hope that agencies will be, uh, you know, shooting you an email about a new avail, uh, I, I think time is thin. If you're if you're willing to go out there and and figure out creative ways to do products that that help advertisers find marketing solutions, I think your future can be very bright. And that, of course, includes digital offerings, but also that, that you know that there's a lot to be said for uh, uh, taking advantage of of the advantages of radio, and that is that it's free, it's easy, and you can multitask. Everybody loves to multitask these days, so you you can get your marketing messages out to people while they're doing something else, and 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 radio still has an, a tremendous opportunity to, to succeed. But to me, you're going to have to, you know, think through how are you going to replace this revenue? And, and like I said earlier, I, I think Town Square has done a good job of that. I think we've done a good job of it. I know there's lots of other companies doing that, but you're going to have to be constantly concentrating on figuring out how are you going to replace this revenue that used to just kind of show up at the door for us because that's not going to be the case anymore and that that's dwindling as every year goes by but that doesn't mean that there's not plenty of radio uh, dollars out there that doesn't mean that there's not plenty of advertising dollars out there we just you just got to keep finding innovative ways to do it and just get out there and try things and don't be afraid to try them but also don't be afraid to like i, I said earlier some things aren't going to work and and that's okay but uh you know i do believe in, in in it's okay to fail as long as you fail fast that's exactly right by the way please add speed to radio radio has speed when it comes to no doubt too so so listen we talked about a lot of different things here uh it's clear that you love engaging people who have robust thinking and think about innovative ways and you feel like it's amazing to me that I'm having this conversation with you about WTOP, which has to me all these amazing assets. And you said a phrase earlier about it's becoming more and more difficult to generate the revenue that we must generate. And I'm like, wait a minute, did he just say that in Washington? You know, and yet you're bringing these things to bear your solutions for these different things, I think it's pretty incredible, Joel. Well, thank you, Lloyd. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's been real interesting to, to talk about it and think about things in a, in a broader way. Well, listen, I do want to thank you for being our guest on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally. Joel, if it's okay with you, I'd like to ask you to hang out for a few minutes in case someone on our audience might have a question for you. Would that be okay? Sure, sure. All right, so we are going to open up the room here in just a minute, just in case you do have questions for our guest right now. All you do is just 
press the button at the bottom of your iPhone or Android device. That allows us to see that you are raising your hand. That's what they call it on the Clubhouse app. That will tell us that you want to come up on stage and speak. By the way, we don't make people do that. So we have another method too, which is our IM or immediate message through the app itself. So you can just send me a quick uh, question if you want, and I'll ask it directly to Joel. I got no problem with that. Uh, when we do, if you do want to come up on the stage, when we do bring you up on the stage, we ask that you mute your mic until we call on you. Don't forget to look for our free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com. See all the things you can get for free to help your local cluster, local programming team, and your local sellers, of course. Also, don't forget, you can join us on Wednesdays here on the Clubhouse app live for innovation and audio. On Wednesday, our live events, like we said before, deal strictly with innovators in the world right now, undeniable innovators. We bring these people to that live event that you may never uh, actually meet otherwise. And we want to figure out how they're creating environments that encourage innovation, mostly outside the radio industry. It's our way to give you a creative perspective about change, creativity itself, and of course, innovation. And of course, this becomes a podcast. This Wednesday, yes, just two days from right now, our live innovation and audio event will feature Ken Carson, who's the president of programming for new HD radio powered by St. Sophia's mission. We're going to find out about their mission. We're going to find out what they're doing in Los Angeles, what they're doing in New York and why they've come to this, uh, fork in the road, if you will. That is this Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Joel, I do have a couple of questions from the IM path. Uh, how do you stay prepared for competition in such a complex market today? And, and what do you think radio has to do to stay top of mind as brands for consumers and for customers? Well, you know, to, to, to stay on top of things is not easy at all, right. because especially when you think about the proliferation of, of news that's sources that's coming out there and the ways that people can get news, but also, you know, you can apply that to the music radio as well. There's just so many right. new ways to get it, get, get music. So I, I just feel like you, you've got to, you've got to be a consumer yourself. And, and sometimes that means putting yourself in some, uh, new situations. Uh, you know, a lot of us get into habits, but you, you, you've got to fight against that and truly become a consumer like a younger person would. You know, <laughs> no secret, I might have been around here, the block a few times. Yeah, right. You've got to, you got to keep at it. I, you know, um, you know, anybody who say was, uh, you know, in the news business and didn't realize Apple News was becoming a thing, well, shame on them. And the same thing with music. If you didn't realize a long time ago that Spotify was going to be a big deal, then yeah. you weren't doing your job. So to me, you've got to really stay on top of it so you can figure out what the competition is going to be and, and learn from them and look at how they're doing things. Because, you know, as, as good as all of us can be, there's always somebody who's going to be figuring out new and innovative, innovative ways to do things. So you've just got to stay on top of it. I had a discussion today, actually, it was on a social media platform with a consultant who uh, it did an article where, where this person actually said, well, you know, today the consumers are actually sitting at the table with us. And I'm like, dude, the consumers have always been at the table, right? 
Yeah, no They're question. They're always at the table. We serve these people. You don't serve those people. You're going to be out of business. There's no way. No, that's it, right? Yeah, no doubt. Now, this next question, uh, which could be our last question for you right now, I got to tell you, you, this might be your favorite question, or you might go, Lloyd, why'd you ask that last one? It's not for me. It's not for me. It's it's from the IM deck. So bring it on. Listen, it, here's the question. If you were not in this business, what do you think you might like to attempt? Oh, geez, if I wasn't in this business, I mean, I've thought about that so at, at times over the years, and I've just really, you know, enjoyed, enjoyed this business. But, um, I, you know, I've, I've always had a passion for, for boating. And I, I think that, a, you know, I would have at some point maybe liked to, you know, be, be more involved in that industry in some way or another. You and Billy Joel, right? You know, he makes boats, right? <laughs> I do. I actually um, had the great fortune to meet him one time in a very casual way at a bar of all places. Of course so, you uh, did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I just lucked out on that one. Wow. Well, listen, yeah. we do try to keep things to about an hour. Uh, one of the great things about our live events is that we try to bring compelling content to you. So whether you're listening to it live now or you listen to it in the podcast, you really get a value from spending this time with us, spending time with our valued guest. I do want to thank you for joining us every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the Radio Rally. Remember, if you know somebody that you would like to hear as a guest on the Radio Rally, just email me, FORD at RainmakerPathway.com. I hope that you're going to have a great week. We always like to say this at Rainmaker Pathway, and we certainly do it on the Radio Rally. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. Don't know what I mean? Uh, call me up. I'll be glad to explain it to you. I want to say thanks to Joel Oxley for being our very patient and giving guest. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which will be available in the next hour or so, uh, not only in social media platforms, because we will share a link for this, but it'll also be on the podcast itself, which you can get in a lot of different environments, uh, maybe even sooner than the next hour. We want to thank uh, JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast, too. Please do share our podcast, since we have two of these for you, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. Share them with others that you know that are interested in growing their careers in audio or love innovation. Innovation is hard. Both podcasts will be available uh, on uh, what Apple, Spotify, Audible, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else from what we say tonight, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally and the Encouragers, and good night.